In the following live session recording, Brent Baskin, Associate Professor of Christian Studies with Shorter University in Rome, Georgia, talks about partnering with parents. The family arrives on Sunday morning together. They then move to different locations of the church for Bible study and worship. And after the closing prayer, they reconvene in the parking lot. Our physical disconnectedness is resulting in a spiritual disconnectedness. The listener will hear about how the church can help the family stay spiritually connected and a discussion on some principles and strategies for partnering with parents so the ministry we provide for students does not end when they leave the church property. Let's join Brent now. Uh, my name is Brent Baskin. I'm now the department chair of Christian Studies at Shorter. That took place over the summer. Uh, but my real job, the thing I love doing most is student ministry. I teach student ministry. We have a youth ministry degree, uh, bachelor's at Shorter. And we've been doing that for six years. Prior to that, I was in Texas doing youth ministry and other duties as assigned by a pastor. So which include children's janitorial, music, education, and administration. So kind of had the whole gamut, which I think is awesome because God prepared me for what I do now, which is edu educating ministers and equipping saints for service to send them out and do incredible things for Jesus Christ. So. If you want to hear more about Shorter, I'd uh, love to talk to you about that. My business card's in the back on the table here when you leave. Please pick one of those up. Love to continue to dialogue with you. As it relates to ministry, if you need to have any needs, resources, D-NOW leaders, our students do uh, do uh, disciple now leadership. If you need small group leaders, things like that, we'd love to be a resource for you when that time comes. So uh, our topic today is partnering with parents. Um, I know in student ministry, I don't know about you, but my greatest passion when I signed up for student ministry was parents. Er, yeah, got it. Uh, my greatest passion was students. And then the parents showed up and it was like, Ugh, I'm 22, 23 years old. I have no idea what to do with you people. And I, as I've grown and I am now a parent, I have a 15 year old daughter and 11 year old daughter. And I still remember the day my 12, when my 15-year-old was 12, we were sitting at the dinner table. I'm trying to explain to her all about the great world of adolescence based on my tons of years of experience, all the reading I've done. And my 12-year-old said, Dad, you know nothing about adolescence. And I realized I have arrived. I'm officially a parent of a teenager. So the balance of that is difficult. What do I do with these parents? Because the goal was to work with teenagers, but these parents... They're getting in the way. Well, I don't think they necessarily have to get in the way. I think there's some things that we can do. But for most of us, it's what do we do with them? So as I began to figure out what I want to do with parents, it kind of looked like that. Anybody <clears throat> recognize that intersection? Yep. Where is that? Savannah. Savannah. I mean, I, was, I thought this was going to be very hip and cool because I was in Jonesboro last week and a guy in the back goes, that's Savannah. I mean, he knew this intersection well. This is the number three worst intersection in the United States, according to Streets Blogger. Okay? As far as either danger, you know, it's, there's no crosswalks, it's confusion, it's just bad. Um, I When I try to figure out parent ministry, this is, and I'm doing what I do in youth ministry, this is kind of what it feels like. Where am I going to fit parents into this? I know I'll ask them to bring brownies and Mountain Dew and we'll call that parent ministry. That's what we typically do when we invite parents into our ministries. We put them to work. I think that just adds to, and then it's like, okay, well, maybe I can do a parent conference. And it's just, we're adding on and piling on the stuff that we're already doing. My goal for us is not to add on 
but to create efficiency. Let's take what God has already given us or what our vision is, and then let's bring it alongside and let's go. So rather than having mass chaos and confusion with parent ministry, what I'd rather have is more interstate. The interstate system was designed to get us from point A to point B quickly to minimize um, wrecks and risk. Um, and there were other elements that Eisenhower had when he envisioned interstate. But the thing I love about interstate is we're all kind of going in the same direction. It's straight, it's fast, and it's efficient. And so my hope is in our conversation today, we can work towards, as we're driving down this road towards parent ministry and youth ministry, what can we do to, to make this process more efficient and communicate to our, uh, our parents and our teenagers? Because parents have a great influence in a student's life. So let's talk about the road conditions. You got to know the road conditions of where you are if you want to know where you're going. Do we need to take a detour? Um, do we need to plan ahead? So here's what research tells us. One is parents are the primary disciples in the home. Now, as we'll find out here shortly, that doesn't mean they're the disciples we want them to be, but they are disciples. They are influencers. Now, I was discussing earlier, Generation X people, we grew up with boomer parents, which told us what to do. You will eat your vegetables. And you will eat, stand, sit there, and you will do it until you eat your vegetables. And I will stay here all night and watch you cry your eyes out. Sorry, I'm having a moment. I've got to just thank you for the therapy as I work process through that trauma. Um, so as a parent, I'm deciding, you know what? I'm going to raise my, parent, my kids differently. And so what I have done is I have been hands off instead of being an overprotective helicopter parent. Now, how do I do that? <clears throat> I create the sheep pen that is the protection and then I don't have to worry about it. So when we go to dinner and someone hands their kid the tablet or the phone and says, here, I'm going to have a quiet meal. That's exactly what we're doing. We've created the sheep pen. I control what goes on the tablet and on the phone and what they watch. But the level of consumption they have, I've, we're kind of hands off. It's creating problems. Um, best example I can give you is when my daughter was a baby. You know, you have to buy all those safety knobs and corners and all that stuff to just protect everything. I got real smart and I bought those uh, plastic cages. I called it like a sheet pen and I bought two of them. So it was eight by eight. It was huge. And I bought the rubber mats because we had hardwood floors. So I went and bought the rubber mats and completely covered it and said, here, kid. And then I never had to worry about it. That's kind of what we're talking about here. Let's put them in an environment where they're safe, but then I'm going to let go. Then you have the extreme, the free-range parenting. If you remember a few years ago, this is the conversation. New York Times did an article on a lady who's, who handed their child uh, subway money and just said, go, go free. No real leadership and um, guidance. They just trusted the process and said, you know what, I'm not going to get off on their business because I, don't, I want them to like me. So... What we've created is environments where either A, I'm going to create the environment that's safe. So if I get pushed back, I'm, just, I'm, not, going to, I'm not going to worry about it. For example, I don't want to go to church. Okay, we just won't go. And then you and I are going, why aren't you in church? Well, mom didn't make me go. Or I'm 
playing a sport, it's more important. I need to be there. We're not, we're influencing and we're parenting, but we're not doing it as aggressive as the parents before us. That's the environment that we live in. So as I said, parents monitor digital content, but they don't monitor consumption. And so we've got overstimulation with digital means. And if you read the rest of the research on that, that's part of the reason why we're having high rates of depression. It's not what content they're watching, it's the amount of content they're watching and consuming. Basically what I'm telling you is their, their minds never shut off. You remember in Exodus when God said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. There's some mental health reasons for that as well. And they're just not doing it. And so that's part of the reason why we have the parenting that we have and the students that we have. So the other thing you need to know as far as students' faith, because of all that, students replicate their parents' faith. So parents are creating the environment that we're in. Peer research came out in relation to Generation Z and said that 4% of students have a biblical worldview. What that means is when you're teaching the Bible and you say that God is the authority and that you need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself, the decision-making processes that they take with them on Thursday morning after you've done that on a Wednesday night likely will not include loving God and loving others the way God would want us to. They can't mentally, or they do not mentally think that way. It's more of a pluralistic buffet line. So if you grew up in your church your whole life and you think with a decision-making process of what would God have me do, what does God want me to do, most of our students cannot comprehend that. Another key point that, as it relates to us is there's a lack of brand loyalty. Uh, what that means is the brand does not own them. They feel like they want to own the brand. So what that means is they would rather have options. They're not going to come to us. We're going to have to go to them. So Instagram and social media will communicate to them. They're basically giving them uh, like social media marketing is let's give you stuff, give you stuff. And then they, they feel like they've got loyalty. I'm getting stuff from them and therefore I will buy from them. So we're going to have to figure out how we're going to go to them in order to reach them, which is why FCA is so important so we can have an opportunity to get on campus and to invest and minister our kids. They're not gonna come to the church. It's just not, if you sit around and wait on them, you're gonna be sitting around and waiting a long time. It just doesn't work that way anymore. So, knowing where we're at as parents, knowing where we're at as students, we have a huge mountain to climb in the generation we live in. And as I get older, I become more and more realizing how farther apart I am from them. And I'm dealing with this too, because I teach a Bible survey class, an Old Testament survey class. I have 30 students in the room, and most of them have never even touched a Bible before in Georgia in the Bible Belt. I had to show them where to find Deuteronomy, where to f what the big six meant, and what the little five meant. We had to do that Monday. That's the world we live in. So the idea of coming in and talking about conviction of sin, we've got we to gotta back up and rethink some of that. So just kind of keep that in mind as we're working through this.
So we've got to have, now we know the conditions, we gotta have a direction that we're gonna go in connecting with these parents. So again, efficiency for me is very, very important. I don't wanna waste my time. I'm also over-connected and over-committed because you know youth ministry. And if you're a volunteer, you have a real job and you love students and you're trying to figure out how to parent and you're trying to figure out how to balance life. I did not truly appreciate that until I got into the role I'm in and now I'm doing a ministry outside the local church with college students, but then I'm still, I'm an eighth grade Sunday school teacher. And I'm like, how do I in the world do I have time to prepare a Sunday school lesson, do my job, raise my family, and then figure out somewhere in there to rest and stay healthy. Wow, I have a whole new appreciation for volunteers. I appreciated them before, but now sitting in that role, it's like, So you're gonna have to have a clear vision and purpose. You can't just go sporadically, uh, let's throw something at parents. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? You do not have to change your entire programming structure in order to partner with parents. There's a a book out called Turning the Ship. It's a few years old, but it was when the family integrated model, basically parents first, everything else second, was really booming about 10 years ago. Basically, Bodie Bauckham was one of the spokesperson of that great pastor, love hearing his vision and love hearing him preach. But about 12 years ago, before that, he said, youth pastors aren't in the Bible, therefore they should not exist. He said, we should fire them all. Actually, what he said was they should run a Christian school. That's what we should transition to. So it's nothing like enjoying hearing a guy preaching anybody and saying you're not caught, you shouldn't have this job. But the transition was let's all put them in under the family and let's just all corporate worship together and that's all we do. But he said if you do that and you go back to your church, he said they will kill you and then they will fire your dead body. Is what he said. He's right. The book that turned the ship the guy that was trying to say, here's how to transition your age-segregated church, which is why you have preschool ministry, children's ministry, youth ministry. Here's how to transition. He basically destroyed his church and rebuilt it, is what he did. So don't do that. I'm not telling you to change. What I'm telling you to do is when opportunities present themselves, let's bring parents into the fold. So um, I will work you through some of the programming things, but I don't want you to just dump the whole thing. Uh, I interviewed a, the, assembly, the leader of the Assembly of God student ministry a few years ago. And I, Baptists are all about parent ministry. And I asked him, why aren't y'all doing more family ministry stuff? And he said, I believe what we're doing is working. If we need to adjust, we'll adjust. So he wasn't desperate is what I heard. I'm not desperate, but what I am looking for is opportunity. What can I do to have the opportunity to minister to parents and partner with them. So we know where we want to go, so we're going to have to watch for construction because this is a work in progress. We need to constantly be evaluating our youth ministries. So here's what I learned from a guy who was doing family integrated ministry. Uh, he, he had a family integrated church, and I called him, and I, and I was real passionate about more parents more family involvement in my student ministry. And I said, what do I do? He said, don't flip the whole thing over. Don't destroy it. 
because you'll lose the church. He said, but as you grow your ministry, when you add something new, make sure it automatically has a family element to it. So for us, the first thing that we did when I was in Texas is we added missions to our student ministry program. Instead of doing a mission trip solely for students, what we chose to do is we chose to do a family mission trip. We invited the parents to go with us. Now, the good news is it minimizes the amount of responsibility I have of corralling teenagers. Because now mom and daddy are involved in doing that. Um, Did we still take students who did not have families? Yes. Yes, we did. I took on three or four students, had a few other adults. I even had senior adults that went with us who had no parents. And I said, would you mind just keeping an eye on these two? So here I have is a single parent home, two boys working alongside senior adult male and learning how to sheetrock because we went, it was during Hurricane Rita, Hurricane, we were mudding out uh, houses. So I have two young men who have no dad in their life learning from a senior adult man how to do sheetrocking. They're learning skills, they're learning hard work, they're learning to sweat, to love. Their arms are sore, their muscles are sore. Yes, no video games. We get to church Sunday morning in worship, they're now connected to an adult in our church. It's not just teenagers. Little things, if I go on a baseball game, I'm gonna invite the parents to come with us. Hey, you can buy a ticket too, come on, the whole family can go. Family, you know, resources are tight, so when we can have opportunities for them to come together, we want to do it. But what I'm just asking you to do is, when you can be intentional about it, take advantage of the opportunities that you have to partner with parents. The other thing you can do when you're driving is you can carpool. <clears throat> take advantage of the fact that parents have relationships with other parents. Don't assume or feel the responsibility that you are the only one that can do this felt overwhelming to me when I was 25 years old, standing in front of a bunch of 40 year olds, trying to tell them how to raise their parents or raise their students. <laughs> I realized real quickly, I can't do that. What do I know about parenting? Nothing. Apparently, according to my 15 year old teenager, I still have a lot to learn about parenting teenagers. But there are opportunities within the structures of our church where parents can partner together. For example, small group ministries and Sunday school. If you're adding classes, you're adding Sunday school classes because we're growing, or you want to add a Sunday school class, Sunday school structures tell us multiplication is the best way to grow, starting new units, starting new Sunday school classes if you want to grow your church. The next time you add a class, do it instead of age by age, do it based on life point. Where are they at in the stage of their life? Can you add a just a parenting of preschoolers or parenting of t- children or parenting of teenagers or empty nesters. So when I was in a Sunday school class, this really hit it home for me when I was doing parents. When I was a parent of a child, my kids were young. I've not done a lot of preschool stuff. I wrap preschoolers up. I can't discipline preschoolers and keep them together and teach Sunday, Sunday school. It's just not my comfort zone. But I was really struggling with my four-year-old on something. And so I went to Sunday school class one day and finally had the guts just to go, hey, here's what I'm dealing with with my four-year-old. And then across the room, another dad goes, oh, thank God, I thought I was the only one. (laughs) 
And then you realize, oh, we're kind of all in this same boat together. What are you doing? Well, here's what we're doing. Here's what I'm doing. And we can help each other. Teenager example. My 15-year-old, since she was 11, had been saying, Dad, I'm the only one that doesn't have Instagram and has a phone, doesn't have a phone. Dad, I'm the only one that doesn't have Instagram and doesn't have a phone. I'm like, whatever. Not listen to it. But then she got 13 and started really pressing. I'm the only one that doesn't have Instagram and doesn't have a phone. So I was like, all right, you're starting cross-country. I'll at least get you the phone. Um, but then I found out she wasn't the only teenager that didn't have a phone. There were others. And then when she got to be 15, I spared no expense at Christmas. I bought her Instagram for her Christmas present when she turned 15 for Christmas. That's the kind of dad I am, is I spare no expense for my children. So when she was crying, you know, no, she wasn't crying. So she set up her Instagram, and then we got a dog in March. Now the dog has an Instagram. We have a puppy at the house. So the dog's got an Instagram, too. Lord help me. So anyway, this summer, I'm on mission trip with our Christian school that we're at, our Christian school that was mission trip, and we went. Uh, first time my daughter and I got to go together. And so we're, all, we're in West Virginia, Charlton, West Virginia, and I'm driving in a bus, <laughs> transporting kids from point A to point B. And I'm sitting with a dad, and I'm talking, and I'm thinking, you know, we, we've got, we finally broke, and we got her the Instagram. He's got a son that's my daughter's age, and we're just kind of talking. He's like, man, I'm just, I'm really struggling because my son's telling me he's the, he's the only one that doesn't have an Instagram. I'm like, why did I know this six months ago? I would have fought it even harder because I, I really wanted to wait till she was like 16, 17. Because the longer I can wait on, on in, internet footprint, the better I felt like I was going to be for her security and safety. And then just teaching emotional responsibility and things like that. But I didn't know because I've not communicated and coordinated with parents just the way that our structures are. There's not a lot of communication interaction that goes on. So if I can create that, then parents can talk to each other and be equipped and know that it's possible, that they're not the only ones. And then when the kid comes and says, I'm the only one, and you're like, well, no, because I talked to so-and-so, and I talked to so-and-so, and I talked to so-and-so, you're not the only one. And so we, they're still going to be mad. I don't like you. But at least we can defuse that and talk about why do you want it, what's the responsibilities that come with it, when is the timeline and strategy we want to equip that. So giving parents those opportunities. Uh, pay attention to all the signage. As you're going down the road, I love some of these signs. Um, caution, water on road during rain. Really? I'm so glad you told me that. Um, now, we communicate, right? We're good church people. We put our events in the bulletin. And then we announce said events from the bulletin during welcome time. And at the end of the service, the pastor will go, hey, don't forget about such and such in the bulletin. And then what happens after church? Hey, when's that event? In the bulletin, we don't we probably even put it on our website. What I would suggest is we work on just continued communication. Most of you guys are probably already doing this. We have Facebook profiles. Um, but there are some group chat options like GroupMe or Band. Um, is another one that we're using now at Unity uh, Christian School. Uh, the cheerleading group that my daughter's in is, is doing that one. One of the reasons I'm kind of shying away from GroupMe is there's a thousand GroupMe's. I know our students are like, I got more GroupMe's for stuff than I know what to do with. So if we can kind of get off that app and get on something maybe they're not using as much, maybe just maybe it'll draw attention. 
but everybody sees it. It's a big group chat to all parents. Your hope would be is if someone asks a question at an event, another parent will chime in and it's one less communication you have to get involved in. So they can all work together. You can kind of monitor the, the conversation and what's going on. Uh, I don't suspect that it'll backfire too often on you where somebody starts complaining and it, and it derails you. But it is an avenue where you can have a live stream communication uh, consistently if you don't already have that. Usually I would recommend Remind at this point as well, the text messaging service. But the problem is we're still trying to figure out what to do with Verizon with the changes that Verizon has made in their system. Uh, Remind has become more difficult uh, in that. But I would encourage you to use social media to your advantage. Um, Instagram story would probably be the best way um, I would do that. The way that Facebook is obviously set up, if you have just a page, you have to pay to boost that and get more people to see it. Uh, the back door to that is to create a student ministry profile page, like a personal profile page, and they and then just have them all favorite it, and then it'll always be at the top. But if you just do a page um, instead of a profile, it's it's harder to get that. But Instagram's still organic enough; they'll see that every day. Um, so I would encourage you to post your stuff through Instagram Story uh, or just a regular picture. I'm still not comfortable with Snapchat, so I don't recommend it. Um, obviously, that's where students are. You need to be aware of it. I have one, but it's just research purposes only, so I can figure out what the heck it is, and I still haven't figured it out yet. I'm just too old, I guess. Um, I'm really surprised we haven't found some new niche yet, like MySpace or something like that. I'm really surprised it hadn't come full circle, like some hidden underground thing that you and I don't know about, and they're on, you know. But um, anyway, the Instagram, what I'm, when I'm talking about brand communication, it's it's like using YouTube, version and sharing their verse of the day, just putting it on there just so there's scripture. Um, events, questions, surveys, resources, those kinds of things. Constantly giving parents equipping information. It's not always, hey, here's our event, here's our event, here's our event. Because that, that can fall. We're advertising and saying, come to us, come to us, come to us. What social media marketing does for us is, is says, here's where, what we're going to give you. We're just giving it away. Content marketing. Give it away, give it away, give it away. Then eventually you can make a pitch for, here's, here's what I want you to buy, which would be camp, denial, things like that. But take advantage of the resources that are available, the free resources that are out there, repackage them and just give them back to your parents which would be like subscribing to a website that talks about generation z um, i like growingleaders.com uh, growingleaders.com yeah he's got a new book coming out on generation z uh, i would recommend that book more than i would james white's book i just uh, i read it it wasn't enough for me who's the author James, is it James Emery Wright? Right, that one, but the other one you're talking about. Uh, Tim Elmore. Elmore's right one? Yes, it's oh, coming wow. out next month, I believe. Uh, and he's got a whole bunch of package that's coming with it. I trust his, re his research is going to be way deeper because he'll do his own. The James book, I just read it and read it fairly quickly. The first half is supposed to be all about Generation Z, and I just, I didn't embrace it as well as I thought I would. I was kind of disappointed. So, um, had our expectations. So 
As far as brain communication, uh, what do you want your parents to know about God and biblical worldview and your ministry that you can continually put before them? Just to remind them that you exist and that you're important. So free websites are like, hey, I read this. Give them a quote from it. Package it. Throw it on Instagram story. It'll be there for a day. Put it on the picture page so it's constantly there if they ever want to go back and creep you. Um, you can go ahead and put it on Facebook because it'll be there, but just realize your reach isn't going to be as much probably as, as Instagram because your students and parents are more on, consistently on it and will be able to see it than on Facebook. So cultural awareness issues and conversation helps as well. I'm going to, at the end of this slide presentation, I've got a QR code and a website link that will give you this PowerPoint presentation and resources. They're all on a shared Google folder and you'll click that and it'll send you right to it. You can download all that stuff. Okay. Uh, oh, traffic. <coughs> um, so when we're partnering with parents and you're doing ministry to students, the thing you need to be aware of, if you really want to partner with parents, you need to completely surround that family. You have to earn the right to partner with them. They need to know you can be trusted, that you will listen to them, that they can be heard. We cannot go in there and say, here's what we're going to do and you're going to do it. They will walk away. Their student may still come, but they're not going to be engaged. We need to minister to the family. So if the grandparent's sick, be there. If the dog's not doing well, be there. Be around the family. When we do sporting events, take advantage of not just the student section, but the parent section too. Go spend a quarter in the parent section just hanging out, listening, building relationships. Use the parents as opportunity to multi-network. So I know Jim, and he knows Joe and Jerry. He can introduce me, and I can work and get to know everybody in the group. But again, when you're ministering to these parents, and you're providing them resources, and you're telling them, you and I have the mindset of Deuteronomy chapter 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, uh, our heart, soul, and strength. And then the whole teach it and press upon them. Talk about when you sit at home, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, when you get up, when you eat, the door frames of your post and on your gates and on the front lines of your eyes. We, that's the world that we want to live in. That's, the, that's what we buy into. But you've got to remember the parents have not done that. It's public education. It's sporting events. It's piano lessons. It's dance class. But God's not encompassing all of that the way that you and I would want them to or that we think that we would if we were in that role. So we got to go back to where they are and start walking them towards it. That goes back to vision and purpose. That's where staff meetings and sitting down with your pastor and saying, hey, we got a problem. we got a 4% worldview problem, which means we're not discipling well. We need to go back and figure out what our discipleship strategies are and how parents, children, and students all together can be better discipled. Those are long, hard conversations. And some of you are going to go back home and sit down and have those conversations. And unfortunately, they're going to say, we're good. You hold on to that, though. Hold on to that passion. Don't let go, because that is biblical. That's what God's desire is uh, for his church. Um, so hold on to that. Personal invites still work. So as you get to know them and parents get to know them, equip them with the opportunity to say, you can do this. You can partner. You can disciple. It's not all on us to do that. Uh, so pay attention to the traffic. Uh, 
you also have to remember that there are people different than you. I will never drive one of those. Some of you might. Uh, if you are, bless you. I want to push one over. That's what I want to do, just to see if I can. So if you got one out in the parking lot and you don't mind, I'm just kidding. Uh, smart cars. There's just people that think differently than we do. We need to recognize that we don't live in a Bible Belt culture anymore. We live in the Bible Belt, but that culture does not exist. We're post-Christian. I think we all recognize that. So having those spiritual conversations have to start somewhere else. And we, so we need to be on their side, listening to their stories and where they're coming from first. The other group that I would encourage you to men, reach is men. Um, I think the research is still validated out there that if you can reach the man, you reach the whole family. I still believe that to be true. Um, obviously, you have to recognize not every family is going to have a man in it. Um, but for the most part, our church culture is somewhat feminine. And that's nothing against our ladies in this room. I still validate that. But I think there needs to be a balance, a better balance. I'm not saying go all male chauvinistic dominant. Do not hear that from me. Recognizing that um, men need a place. For example, I was talking to a church, uh, one of my former students yesterday, and they're, they have an established church, but they really only have one building that is multi functioning. Their youth meet there, Celebrate Recovery meets there, Sunday morning worship meets there, everybody meets there, which means it's constantly changing and moving. Their men have to come in and redesign the room three times a week. And they do that intentionally. And I told him, I said, that's incredible. I said, do you realize that you've given your strongest, your bro men, something to do in the church that's absolutely important and necessary? If you came in and created this and said, we do nothing else, we're done, then they've kind of lost their place. They have a reason to contribute. And in the course of that contribution, that's where conversations in life happen together. I was pretty excited about it. I said, don't, I know it's inconvenient for you guys, but see it as an absolute win uh, because that constant changing and need for physical interaction is such an important part of what men need. They need to work with their hands. So I was pretty excited for that. So if you can find a way to reach men in that conversation and, you know, dads aren't typically going to be, here's how to sit down with your son and have spiritual conversations. But you could have conversations of, here's what you can do with your son. And in the process of the doing, here's how to have spiritual conversations. So be a good driver on our trip. Sometimes taking a driver safety course is always good. We can empower our parents for active discipleship. And again, I'm about efficiency. I'm about simplicity. Family worship would be a great goal to have, but I recognize where we are. And I recognize we only have about an hour and 15 minutes together. So we're not gonna unpack all of that. But we can teach parents to share their stories and tell them it's okay to share their stories. Some parents are terrified to share their story because they're afraid their, their student is going to do exactly what they did when they were that age. Strangely enough, just based on environment and heredity, both, I can tell you the likelihood of it happening and repeating itself is very high anyway, even if you don't talk about it. So it would be better to have those conversations, but then after that conversation takes place is, here's what's next. Here's how I can equip you. So my 11-year-old uh, my really struggles with anxiety. You know, 
for an entire school year was my tummy hurts, my tummy hurts, my tummy hurts. And then children, in case you didn't know, tummy hurting is usually not a stomach issue, it's an anxiety issue, it's nerves. But they don't know what to communicate, they can't communicate, I'm having a panic attack or I'm having anxiety or depression or whatever. They just communicate what they feel in, in their world in the best way they can and that's their stomach. But her daddy, me, has really struggled with anxiety over the course of his life. Ministry's never easy. There's been a few traumas along the way related to it that I've had to work through and process. But my experiences in overcoming my anxiety and working through it have given me an opportunity to equip my child and to tell her my story and how I'm working, not one, but working towards winning and equipping her and empowering her to live the life that she's been called to live. Because I've not told her this is wrong and we need to fix it. What I'm telling her is this is how God has built you uniquely. And so God has given this to you for a reason. Sometimes it's to warn you. So it's okay to heed that warning. But then in the process of that, ask God, why are, why is God, God, why are you warning me right now? What am I not seeing that I need to be aware of? So in our backyard, she kept going, I'm nervous in our backyard, I'm nervous in our backyard, I'm nervous in our backyard. Most parents go, it's our backyard, it's fenced in. Stop it. Get over it. Move on. But I said, pray. Ask God to reveal it to you or to reveal it to us. Three days later, eight wasps. Under my little bitty boat, because I'm a professor, little bitty 12-foot boat. I don't have this big bass boat, so don't get visions of this massive bass boat. I had four wasp nests all up under it. God had sensed in her, her spirit had checked to say something's not right here. She'd never seen it. But then we were like, oh, and I was like, yes, girl, good job. I validated her anxiety because sometimes it's a good thing to, to have that check. It's not just put it aside and then run over a risk that's available to you. Be aware of what you are. But my experiences allowed her to grow. So it was okay to share the story. Take advantage of those life transitions. 16-year-olds getting cars, uh, the right to vote at 18. Transitions from middle elementary to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college. Those are all incredible opportunities for us to partner with parents because our senses are going off of what the heck do I do? So as a parent, I'll start earlier. I think that's because it's going to come up. Um, I was preparing for me as a parent for my fifth grader to transition to sixth grade when she started fifth grade. I didn't wait till first day of sixth grade. I started earlier than that. So I knew she would be ready. I had to be ready. Um, and so we could take advantage of that uh, as ministry opportunities. And using teachable moments, hey, Dad, why are you driving 59 and a 55? I thought the speed limit was 55. So go back to your social media. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, those are fun conversations. Hey, Dad, you keep crossing the white line. Why are you doing that? Dad, why are you messing with your phone while you're driving? Those conversations never happen in my house, right? Take advantage of those. So rather than telling them what to say, we need to ask. Change the direction of the conversations. Don't walk into a teenager and tell them what what for and the what ifs and this is what you're supposed to do. Ask. And I've given you, one of the resources I'm going to give you are a list of just random questions that you can ask. And so you can hold on to those. And what you might do is like once a day or once a week, there's 70 of them. So I can give you, no, I'm sorry. There's 120 of them. Not all of them work, 
but there's 120 of them. You could do one a week or one every other day, and you're almost a year of just posting, hey, parent, ask your student this question today. Or you and your student have this conversation. The best time to have a conversation is in the car after school or before school, because you're both captive. They could even be on their phone. No headphones, take those off, no earbuds. But if their fingers are doing something, their brain will flow freer. Just let them keep going. Their mouth will just start letting it fly. Uh, I would prefer them put it down, focus attention. It teaches better communication skills that way. But as we're processes and working through that, that's one option we have. Uh, and again, start with parents um, before you get them into student ministry. So as a student pastor, I'll go down to the fourth and fifth grade and start getting to know those parents. Start equipping them for the transition. So there's a difference between information and wisdom. Wisdom is lived experience. Let me teach you how to live life. Information is just, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know to pass the test. I don't want them to just pass the test. I don't want them to go live it. That takes deeper, that's a deeper dive. That's investing. That's long game, not short game. That's mistakes along the way. All those things work together for us. Uh, AARP does make it easier. I know it's AAA, but AARP fits this model better. Uh, don't worry, I'm 50 tomorrow. AARP will find me. What that means is if you're young, it's going to be harder. Us old farts in the room, I'm one of them. It'll be a little bit easier because that's our culture. That's our group. We're kind of in that world. They'll listen to us because we, we're older. There, for me... <clears throat> There's no statistical analysis to prove this, but for me, it was easy. When the kids, when the youngest group walked in and they were, no, I'm sorry, when my high schoolers were the year I graduated high school. So when I graduated high school, they were, I graduated in 96. When they started being born in 1996 and after, something just switched. I wasn't the kid anymore. The older buddy. Um, can't understand can't explain it but for me that's kind of when it was like oh this is different and so my philosophy changed a little bit and my role changed parents started listening to me more and i had to change how i communicated to teenagers uh, in that process so our goal in this for me is i want students to be able to communicate their faith be able to articulate it I want them to own it. I don't want it to be their parents' faith. I want them to have the faith. I can't do that by myself in an hour and 15 minutes once a week, knowing full well that they'll only show up 50% of the time. It's all hands on deck. So if I can start the process of discipling parents, and I'm not discipling them to a parent, I'm equipping them with information and resources to be a better parent. Obviously, they have to choose what they'll do with this information. But the parent can then teach the teenager thought processes, decision-making, useful information, monitoring, parent monitoring as far as what they will and will not allow their teenager to do. So when they graduate high school, they're not graduating faith. They're just merely transitioning to the next stage in their spiritual journey. 
My other hope is that by providing them the communication resources necessary, the communication flow will happen smoother. Maybe some guards will be let down. Parents can ask for forgiveness, admit that they're not perfect. Students will recognize their parents are not perfect, show them a little bit of grace. We can lessen some of the tension, not eliminating, just lessening, um, that families can be drawn closer together than, rather than being divided more and more as we go through this process. All right, so uh, that is the QR code. If you still have a QR app on your phone, you should be able to click it and it should take you right to the Google Drive. If you don't, that is the web address um, to get the 120 faith questions that I got from another website. I didn't create them, but I liked the questions they were asking. It includes the PowerPoint um, and the PDF. So it has both uh, for you of this slide. So my question to you guys is what can I, if I didn't cover what you needed, what can I do to help you? What questions did I create that we can clear up? What scenarios are you in where you kind of see where this could fit, but you're not sure that we can help game plan you for the future? I feel like uh, you brought up Snapchat, and that's been kind of something that I'm wrestling with. Is okay, what do I do with it? Uh, I feel like when I talk to my parents, I almost always discourage it uh, for, I think, obvious reasons. But a lot of times, too, just so you know, those reasons aren't as obvious to other people like, as to why Snapchat is an app and its original purpose uh, to send photos that magically disappear, right? So. I try and explain that to parents too that might not know what it originally was. Because I remember when it came out, it was not for communication. Um, and so, but now it has become a major way that our students communicate. And I think a lot of it is genuine and not even uh, sexual. Like it's genuine communication. Yep. You're right. Um, but it's so easy for all of the not good stuff to be immediately there and then immediately gone. Um, and so it's kind of, that's something that I'm wrestling with is like, because as a student pastor, I don't want to get too involved in Snapchat because I think that's dangerous. Um, but I also am like, how can we utilize it? Like, can we make it yes. change that culture? I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that. Uh, are we aware of the issues with Snapchat? Parents, okay. Um, can we use it? I think we can. I think you have to treat it like you would Coca-Cola. You treat it like a corp your corporation. So either multiple people have access to it or you send but you don't receive. So you would do it like you would a business would be my suggestion. So you broadcast your brand, but as far as the, or the interaction being organic, I'm with you that the safeguards need to be there for me as an adult interacting with a minor. Uh, that's why, like, even the DMs and things like that, if we can avoid those. Um, that's why the group chats, my group, me and band, which students can, if they want to have a conversation with me, let's do it through that. If they want to meet with me individually, they can say, hey, they can call or text, but then that, that appointment is arranged, but then we're communicating to our spouses or our secretaries or our pastors, hey, I'm, I'm meeting with someone. So the accountability stays high. I would like to say we do it through email, so that but that 
that's a tall order to ask our students to do. Because I have college students and they have email and that's what they're supposed to do. And they're still using our uh, learning system app and sending me a message that way. And they treat it like text messages. So I'm having an adult, we're even at the college level trying to still adjust the culture in our communications with students. With that, does that kind of, you think that work would work? What struggles do you see like with parents and stuff as regards to apps and interactions? One of my struggles with it, similar to what you're doing, is not only the GMs are my concern, but also I want to protect my own mind. And I know there's some channels that can pop up that I have no control over. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that kind of keeps me from beginning a Snapchat account. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't want to put that in front of my eyes. Which further makes me want to, I wish I could get it out of their eyes, right? I guess yeah. you want to try and see that protection and say, hey guys, get away from it. Just because there's not as much control as there is on other platforms. Um, that's where like, all my students, most of my students are all exactly. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, If you look at App Store, it's number one, two, three, or four. I mean, it's always up there. So with the mindset being to use a different app as your primary source, and you strongly encourage your students to use that app. Now, that's what my thinking is. I'm not a, I'm like you, I'm not a Snapchat guy. I mean, I look at it and go, why? That's my thing. Because I don't see the I don't see the draw to it. And I understand why the younger generation is on the wrong. But I know that a majority of my students are going to use Instagram. And that's where they're going to find their stuff. So I'm just wondering if it's kind of like what you're talking about with the culture of the college. Do we have to re reset the mindset and say, I know you guys are using this, but if you want to know what's going on in our group, let's go to this one. And just so we can have those conversations that why it goes back to what you just said about protecting yourself. Because, you know, and we don't want to create a culture where they're one kind of person on Snapchat, but they're a different person on Instagram. The prayer is that by whatever source we're going to use for them to communicate with, that, you know, God's going to work on their heart to if they're doing something stupid over here, it'll draw them from not doing that anymore. Does that kind of make sense? And that may be the route to go just to push that one. Listen, all our information, announcements, what we're studying, what God's doing in our group is going to be here only. So you need to get plugged in here. And I said, it's just a thought. Yes to the brand, that that's where it needs to be. Um, if I can push back just a little bit. Um, subculturally, you also need to be aware that your kids have Finstas as well, which is fake Instagram accounts that you don't know about and they're not going to friend you on. Right. Um, so what's going on in Snapchat's really also going on on Instagram too. And that's, that's a layer that's not just social media issues. That's, all, that's the heart issue that we're all trying to battle and deal with. And we can camp, I want to, I mean, I wish I could camp out there all day. How can we, Romans 12, 1 and 2, our kids, to get them to renew their minds and regenerate and go, right. I'm putting away Snapchat, I'm putting away Finstas. How, where's the partnership on that? So we just need to create an app with like a really, really strong filter. <laughs> didn't we? Didn't didn't the Christian community try that at one time? Uh, I know. I know. Faith Life has a community app. I want to say there was a like a Christian Facebook 
it may still be out there, but I can't remember. I mean, we tried God tube. Y'all remember God tube? It still exists, by the way. It's not under God tube anymore. Uh, but we tried God tube. I, I want to say it was like, oh, it was faith book. That's what it was called. I almost missed it. It was called faith book. Uh, yeah, that worked out real well. Uh, so we tried a Jesus stuff. Um, but I think ultimately that just postpones the inevitable. So, I don't know, it creates a Christian bubble world, but then the real world is still out there. The real apps yeah. are still out there. Right. And their friends are still out there using Snapchat. So it just kind of makes it where then I think some of the younger kids don't have the self-control. Probably not. That was right on top of that one. Record. Sorry. Sorry, I got a record thing. Go ahead. Yes. I think we're at a stage where we've got to regenerate the, the app itself. Them and the app. You're right. Well, it, it goes back to one of the first things you talked about. It goes back to parenting stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, all right, here it is. I trust you. Good luck. And never checking on what they're doing. Yeah. With Instagram and Facebook, uh, family policies can be somewhat simple. Like you have to friend me, and it, you, I will decide who you friend. Like I've taught my daughter. If I look through your list and you, there's somebody on your your profile list that's not de- already connected to you in some form or fashion, then we're done. So don't go f- friending random people trying to get your profile up to over 2,000 people or whatever, which my oldest daughter isn't interested in creating a, a to becoming an influencer. She just really wanted to be organic and interact. She hardly posts. She does story, but she doesn't do uh, profile pics or uh just the, the Instagram slides, whatever. Um, so you can, and then obviously main, controlling passwords would be the other thing. Um, I still, my daughter still uses my YouTube channel uh, because I can watch the history. Uh, now she started doing all those makeup channels and I'm tired of looking at all the suggestions. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm done. I'm just done. Get, use your Google email and just take over. I don't care anymore. But um, but I'm sure she's tired of seeing all my rock music videos too. So, you know, Disciple and the good influencers, that, you know, Skillet and stuff like that. So. Um, huh? Striper. Yeah. Petra and Striper. Uh, so we can still monitor. So Snapchat, Snapchat's just a hard one for me. But what I think we could, we can do in that vein, partnering with parents is encouraging, hey, today, here, I want you to post a positive message today. I want you to say, I want you to share something good that God's doing in your life today. Um, share your story today. Our evangelism guy, I'm, I'm stoked for him. He is requiring them to not only share their faith in class, but to share it on social media. Learning to share the brand, um, so to speak, of Jesus. So, Communicate that you are a Christian on your social media dynamics. Hold hold yourself accountable by putting it out there in public. Uh, scary place for them to go because you're taking the virtual world and you're bringing it to real world, which is what they they don't want. It's disconnected, so they've got to wrestle with that reality. Um, but those are great conversations for parents and for us to have within the context of youth ministry. Um, what about TikToks? 
I'm not sure it's going to last. Now, y'all may disagree or agree with that. Yeah. I, because I thought musically was going to take off too, and it didn't. I'm still watching. I, I don't recommend. It's the same. It's the same thing. Musically and TikTok. Yes. Is it the same company? They just rebranded it. Okay. Uh, so they took the music. They still allow music, but they're not doing all music. Is that basically? It's. I'm keeping an eye on it. I follow a guy that does social media marketing. Um, you can, if you want to follow him, you can't. He cusses way too much for me to, to validate that you should go. But he's my he's my source for knowing what's going on in social media because he that's what he does. And that's, uh, I'm still watching it. Um, I don't think Instagram will go away because Facebook owns it and they're smart enough to keep adapting and bringing in, like they brought in story. So they kind of took Snap, I thought, oh, Snapchat's done. But it's still too private. And the reason Snapchat's working is we haven't gotten on it. If we all got on it and said, we're in. If all the mamas got on it and started snapping each other, it would die. Um, which is which is why Facebook. That's why they all ran from Facebook. Well, they ran from Facebook for two reasons: the security issues that all came out, and they don't trust it anymore. Um, and then mamas, mamas are on it, huh? Grandparents too, yeah. So they got tired of looking at recipe videos. So yeah. We talked earlier about the parents being the primary disciple makers. Yeah. Uh, what I'm dealing with with our parents is like they, the parents drop them off at youth and say, here they are for yep. an hour and a half or so. And I know these parents well enough, and I know the kids, they tell you a lot of things. They all get discipled at home. Yep. And is there a book that we can, a class that we can give or like have the parents to teach them? Because a lot of times they just don't know. Yeah. Uh, to educate them to be that disciple maker at home, uh, because I, I, I agree they're they're getting discipled in some way because they they grow up seeing their mom and dad. And I've got one little student; he's a he's a seventh grader this year, and uh, I was so proud of him. He came to me the other day and he goes, "I'm going through the book of uh, Matthew, reading chapter by chapter." And his own dad came to me and was like, "Son, you need to get your daughter. Your you need to get your sister in school in church." The parents said that, you know, and, and so I know that they, he doesn't really care. He's all about extracurricular activities and stuff, but the kid is kind of veering towards Christ. And yeah. the parents like, well, you need to stay playing ball. You need to do this. You need, and I'm like, You're, it's a struggle. So as far as resources go, uh, Richard Ross is always my go-to. Uh, Richard Ross is the youth ministry professor at Southwestern Seminary. Um, I believe he's got a book that just came out um, on family worship. Um, he has some life. Heart Connects is still out there somewhere in the internet verse. Um, I think Lifeway may still have a link to it somewhere, but it's PDFs of Bible studies. That's called Heart Connects, but it's it's dated, uh, being old, but it still floats around. And then Vody's got a book on family shepherding where he walks you through how to teach them to be family shepherds. Um, basically, his model is they do Sunday lunch at the church, and then he guides the dads. And you could easily 
change it to spiritual leader in the home. So single moms could be involved in that process. Whoever's the leader of the home in the house. Here's how to do family worship, family Bible study. So here's how to open the Bible and study God's word. So if I were going to add layers to that to equip you, here's what I would do. I would take that idea um, and then I would go get Robbie Gowdy's book called Growing Up because it teaches you here, um, which is the, uh, you basically state the Bible verse, you explain it, you apply it. No, it's not prayer here um, because the prayer or response, yeah, it's here. Um, And then it allows for response. It's a journaling tactic that he has. We've all done some. Say, inductive Bible studies. Yeah, yeah. H, H is highlight. Thank you. Is explain, uh, A is apply on response. Robbie Gallaty, G A L L A T Y. It's called Growing Up. There's three books that go through this. The Growing Up teaches you how to do inductive Bible study. The uh, we're in, I'm doing Firmly Planted right now, which is basically basics of the faith that you just need to know assurance of salvation security of the believer, that kind of avoiding temptation. They're built for small group Bible studies. But what that book can teach you is, hey, parent, you could actually do the highlight, explain, apply, and respond in a family setting at the dinner table. Hey, we're going to read through this together. And as I'm reading through it, what jumps out at you? That's the first step. Okay, what what do you mean? Why is that important to you? How would you apply that tomorrow when you go to school? And then what prayer do we want to do? You can do that in 15, 20 minutes quickly and the goal would be that it just explodes and then you're looking and you're watching going, whoa that's an hour and 15 minutes we we just kind of took off on a conversation but you could do that over everybody because what the goal of everybody doing it at the dinner ta- at, at the fellowship tables together is I'm not the only one doing it so it's not weird and we're all practicing it we're practicing we're, you know the whole we're going to try this you know you're not going to try it you're establishing it but in case people gripe we're just trying it permanently, right? Uh, so you could try that. That would be a start to that process. Or if you just have one, grab you a group of three or four dads and say, hey, let me, let's start doing this together, and then I want you to go home and try it. And then let's report back. What struggle? What was the frustrations? My wife doesn't want to do it. Okay, let's start praying for, for soft hearts so she'll receive it. Research also shows that if the son or daughter will go and ask their parents, I want you to disciple me. Research has shown that it actually reverses. It's not just the parents being the influencers. There are occasions where the student can influence the parents. Come to my baptism. Come to church with me. It does work on occasion. Is that helpful? Right. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Anybody else got any good ideas on that, on how to equip parents? Something you've seen work? So uh, I connected with somebody years ago about doing risings like a rising sixth grade retreat type thing. Yep. So we've been doing that the last, uh, shoot, I've been doing it probably for about nine, nine, 10 years now. And so when a student comes up in sixth grade, uh, before their very first Sunday, we did the Saturday before the first Sunday, uh, we'll do a uh, parent, we invite the parents to come in, we'll do a parent and student session where it's coming. Welcome to the student ministry, here's how to make the most of your, your time with us. You know, get involved, push your yacht on your faith, that kind of stuff. When they go away with adult leader, I sit down with the parents for 30, 45 minutes, answer some of the questions about student ministry, and I have a training session on parents being a disciple and what does that look like for them to pass on their faith. Uh, and then we close off with another 
uh, session with parents and students. The parents or the students ask the parents to stay involved. Parents are praying, saying a prayer with their kids and uh, you know, sharing with them what they want them to be like uh, spiritually once they graduate. So it's been a very powerful time for us. Uh, this year got some great feedback from parents just saying, hey, we've never really thought about the discipleship like that. And already I've seen several of them, they've made changes in the way they've been attending and, and been active in our church, even within the last few weeks where now they're involved. I'm seeing our kids again. I haven't seen them in a while. So it's been it's a really good thing for us. It's been a way to share with them some of these family and self-sort stuff. That's good. Yeah, take advantage of those transitions for sure. So I'm a realist. I mean, I have a, I'm an eternal optimist, but I'm also a realist. I am fully am aware of the fact that we're not going to bat a thousand. Not every parent that we take through this is going to change everything about themselves and start discipling the parents. So don't be disheartened when that doesn't happen. It's the goal is one step closer. If I can get one to do it, it will change that kid's life forever. That's a win for me. Remember, Jeremiah had an offer. Not one person changed their heart. So we're not alone in the struggle that we're in, in the battle that we raid, we, we're waging against the world and its culture to get parents to countercultural uh, change. We live in a different world and it's getting harder and harder every day. I recognize that in my role trying to teach 22, 23 year olds. Hey, the youth ministry you're about to walk into was way different than even six years ago when I stepped out of it into this role. Because I'm a volunteer now and I'm, and I'm dealing with eighth graders and I love them, but man, it's different. Another issue we're dealing with is uh, we've got a pretty big band ministry. So with band, band okay. kids, yeah, okay. label band kids, but their parents usually aren't involved in church or don't go to church. So discipling uh, those kids and they go home and they get, you know, it's it's not as bad as. Hey, John, don't I want to see that baby? She better stick around. Oh, we'll be here. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. But, you know, trying to get those parents in to come in and visit. Or, and I guess as, as, a, as a band driver, a lot of times I, I get, to, I just basically knock on the door and I meet the parents and I talk to them at that moment. Awesome. Uh, and uh, I, I get their numbers and I try to send them texts, you know, hey, whatever is going on and stuff like that and build a relationship with them that way. Yeah. But outside of that, a lot of times they won't. They say it's okay for little Johnny to go to church, yeah. but I don't want to attend. Okay. Uh, you know, do you know of a better way to reach the parents and other than just loving on them and calling them and say, "Hey, just praying for you." I know whatever's going on. My hope for you would be that you're not the only one. That your church, more people in the church, will will flood them with love. Because if it's just one guy carrying that mantle, that's a huge mantle to carry. The other avenue is I would that I've seen work successfully is at their FCA partnering with the school and using the school as an avenue to minister to them and meeting their needs. So um, figuring out how what needs can we meet on campus because usually the campus will say these are the parental needs we have, and then we go through that avenue as well. So we're reaching the entire community and we're just loving on them and loving on them, and loving on them, no strength attached. Um, I've seen where. 
I'm not asking you to come. It's kind of like that free content marketing. I'm just going to give and give and give and flood you with the gifts. So they basically say, what can I do for you? We just want you to come be a part of this. No strings attached. Usually crisis moments also are opportunities for that to come. Um, so it's not a foolproof. There's no, that's the struggle. Anybody else got suggestions? Guys, that's that's a great ministry, but it's really, really hard to break through. I would say your WMU, like, you know, maybe y'all can do something together and have a men's ministry that brings them all together. But WMU, I know that's, most churches, that's probably the most functioning thing of more than a men's, men's ministry yeah. right now. It's the things we talked about earlier. So you just offer, hey, we're doing this. We're doing this adult thing. Love, just wanted you to be in the know. If it's off campus or non-spiritual, um, but my my hope for you would be that more people buy into that, and the idea of these kids are great, but man, these parents are too. Old. We've got to go figure out how we can reach them and bring them too, because that will be the greatest impact on the kids. We're making a good impact. If we want a great impact, we got to get those parents involved. And what can we do? Do we need to adjust who we are as people? Because at some point, some of that's going to be intercultural too. We're going to have to be multi-ethnic if we're really going to be effective. One thing I was just thinking about is just writing thank you letters to the parents. Is that's cool. For a yeah. your child will come to church. How will we, as a church, convince you to your family? It's awesome. And that's something that I've been struggling with since last night is how I relate to parents better. Because, I mean, I've got kids, but I'm also not as old as some of my students' parents are. But being able to relate to them and showing them, hey, there is an open door if you have a need that we can help you with. And just, you know, sending that letter saying, thank you. I love the fact that you allow your student to come to church even if you're not here. You trust us enough that you give us your student. Now, would you allow us, or would you trust us enough that we would be willing to minister I'm not a pastor, but I would like to think that if I ever, God ever puts me in that role, one of the things I'd, I'd like to be able to lead my church towards, as far as missions and evangelism, is the we're going to meet needs, no strings attached, of any family in our community. Now, then we'll back up and go through benevolence committees and all that stuff, but just that mindset of if there's a need that meet, somebody needs an air conditioner, we're going to not only buy that air conditioner, we're going to go install it. We're going to put it in. Uh, if they need Sunday school, school supplies, we're going to go get Sunday school supplies. That becomes part of our missions because we got to reach our people. I know that's a tall order and there's a bunch of strings attached to that. I've just seen it, you know, there's a church in, outside of Augusta. Um, I'll have to Twitter, pull it up on Twitter because I don't remember the name of the church, so forgive me for that. But um, John was the past, youth pastor of Bethlehem and he church planted this church. And that's just, they go to the schools and say, what needs do you have? What are your parents' needs? What are your parents telling you you need? We're just gonna go meet them. And we're just gonna go and go and go. And they go hard. And and they don't know what the return will be, but I promise you there will be a return. Because the love of Jesus just does that. Yeah, I'm blessed to be at a church that we do that a lot. We, we, uh, we our missions uh, team is, is awesome. We, we build at least every two to three weeks, we build a wheelchair ramp for those that are uh, I don't know how many uh, refrigerators, stoves, and stuff we put in houses. Uh, I mean, there's so much stuff that, that our churches we're blessed to do. And we go in homes. Our youth pastors go in the schools. Uh, I'm in the schools every single day, the week except Monday. 
yeah. uh, ministering to kids and stuff. So we're, we're blessed to be where we are. But there's still, a, you know, matter, like I said, we're in the Bible Belt, but still there's those families that, you know, don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, that's, that conversation is not at the student ministry level. That conversation is at the church leadership level. Standing before the church leadership and pouring our hearts out in tears going, we got lost people. What are we going to do? And for our pastor to be broken in front of the pulpit going, guys, we got to reach our community and what we're doing, it, it's got to be different. Because we're bringing these kids and that's great. Van ministry is, is great, but it's not good enough. We need more. Because having the kids here is great, but we need to be discipling and reading the needs of their home life if we're really going to make an impact and change. That's hard. That's dirty. That's messy. Because um, they're not going to come in with our church culture. But creating a change culture, um, that's what we want. How do we get there? That's another conference and another conference. That's where I get on. I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I can drink coffee and just cry out to the Lord all day long in those conversations trying to figure out what that looks like. Because it's my heart for that kid, and I know all, everything surrounding that kid has got to got to get better. And I can't fix all that myself. Jesus has got to do that. Awesome. Great conversations on social media and parenting and, and reaching those parents. Uh, I really appreciate those insights and input. Um, I'm better for it. My card is on the table back here. Uh, please pick that up if you don't mind. And just if you've got questions or we can resource you or help you in any way, we would greatly appreciate it. Let me pray for you, and we will get out of here. Father, I thank you uh, that we have a heart to reach students. Uh, and the multiplication of that is equipping their parents to minister to them uh, and continue that journey wrong, well after uh, they graduate. Um, so, Lord, give us the opportunity. Help us create buy-in with those that are around us as we take this vision back home. Uh, and, Lord, just continue to allow us to walk in your grace um, today. And thank you for working in our midst. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'll be around if you need me.